Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Badlands podcast, the only podcast out there that is 100% chiseled and is proudly part of the Chair Shop Media Group. I am Mags, and with me, as always, my podcast wife and the Stop Cube extraordinaire, Mr. Paul Tolley. Paul, how are you? I'm fuming, mate. What are you fuming about? The revelations that that have happened pre-recording. (laughs) This is just a setup from the start, I can tell. What, what happened was the last time we did uh, Badlands Tag Team, we had Ricky and Clive on, and uh, they had my back throughout. Mm-hmm. I think it must be like Celtic Brotherhood. So now you've brought the Northern Powerhouse on. And I can tell from the pre-chat, I'm just in for it tonight. But to be fair, both these guys like you way more than they like me. They're both sad with you. You just kind of ruin it for yourself with your horrific food takes and uh, your questionable uh, antics in, in parks. I'm impossible to maintain support for. Yeah, you, you, you're literally the Tory government. You get all the goodwill <laughs> and then you just wreck it for yourself. <laughs> but we may as well uh, introduce the, the two guys who we're, we're speaking about. Um, both absolutely just brilliant to, to talk with on, on wrestling Twitter. Uh, we've, got, um, we've got Dan Griffin and we've got UTT Rob. How are you two guys? Not too bad, Sam Ags. How about yourself? Doing good? Yeah, I'm okay. Uh, ex- well, I was excited about this uh, this topic. I think it's going to be maybe the hardest editing I've ever had to do. Uh, but yeah, I'm doing really, really well. Yeah, sorry about that pre, uh, pre-intro. <laughs> <laughs> and Rob? Uh, I'm doing good, and all I can say is I'm uh, going to be staying away from the park for a long time after the uh, pre-intro. <laughs> 
I don't think we'll even need to explain what's going on. If if you if you're really desperate to know, listeners, go and uh, check out at Five Nerds Go for a bit of an explanation of what Tolly's been up to, and just know that we're all disgusted in him. Allegedly, <laughs> that's the button. I'm going to edit that allegedly out. <laughs> I don't even know what's been said about me. That's the that's the scary thing. But you instantly know it's probably true. <laughs> But guys, you you two have both been on the show before. You are uh, you you regulars to to Badlands, so uh, you can't uh, add to our collated Mount Rushmore of uh, the greatest wrestlers. So I thought we'd uh, we'd change tack a little bit for an opener and and go with uh, the greatest uh, referees of all time. So we'll all come up with a, a Mount Rushmore and a little bit of explanation why each one makes the cut. Uh, guests can go first. So seeing as you're a, you two are a tag team. Uh, you can decide between yourself who, who goes first and who goes second. We should have probably talked about this before, Andy, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> you know how tag teaming works. You, you talk about it in the corner. Yeah. yeah. And then one we're of just you... Trying, we're, just, we're just trying to act like we've not strategized, that's all. <laughs> um, I, I can see you pushing Rob away into the corner there. <laughs> yeah, I've um, got this. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, go, I'll, go for, I'll go first and you can go first for the uh, for the bit later on if you like. The plucky young lion wants in. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm the youngest one on this recording, to be fair. Is that right, you're, boys? You're the, just, well, just throw that out there. <laughs> I dare say I'm, I'm the oldest. I look the oldest. I feel the oldest. I think I just shared your mags. Literally just. <laughs> so I'm the, the Tanhashin, you're the Tenzan. Uh, yeah, the, the, the you're difficult. the Nagata. And Tolly's Yoshihashi. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm, de- I'm definitely prone to falling on my face. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right, okay, referees. <clears throat> Sorry, it's not like I was setting up for a speech, then I'm not, I've just got something in my throat. Um, my first pick is uh, a guy who refereed for 30 years, one of the longest, uh, longest tenured referees I could find. Started out in Georgia Championship Wrestling and Jim Crockett Promotions, right through WCW to WWE. It's Nick Patrick. Mm, um, great pick. It was, so I've got my next three picks first, and then I, I was down to two. I was down to Nick Patrick and Earl Hebner. But quite frankly, fuck Earl Hebner because he screwed Brett over and proceeded to milk that shit for the, well, until present day. So, uh, yeah, Nick Patrick got in. He was the official ref of the NWO, as we all know. He refereed all the matches uh, on sold out, which, to my knowledge, is the only referee, at least in the US, to go solo on a pay-per-view. Uh, and, yeah, just in for his, uh, in for his longevity, really. Solid pick. He's not on my list, but he's a, he's a, he's a very, very good referee. Um, do you want to do one each, Rob? Or... Yeah. yeah, that's fine. Um, I did consider... Nick Patrick, I did think about it for a long time. Uh, so my first uh, one is somebody who started out in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Um, went through um, WCW, went to um, WWE, feuded with Nick Patrick during the invasion because it's Earl Hebner. So we've gone the exact uh, <laughs> <laughs> opposite opposite way on that one. Um, Fuck him. You know, the, yeah. I mean, he was there for Hogan and Andre with the um, uh, Dave Hebner uh, twin brother uh, switch sort of thing. Um, yes, he had the Montreal screw job, and yes, he did milk it, because he did it again in TNA with uh, AJ Styles and um, Kurt Angle, so he did the uh, screw job yet again. Um, he even had a um, 
romance um, angle with Madison Rain in TNA where he was uh, letting her win because uh, he thought they were in a relationship, uh, although she was just using him. Uh, went on to be a TNA Hall of Famer. Um, just just an all-round legend, really. Uh, he's even doing AEW pay-per-views now. So, um, yeah, I had to had to get him in there and uh, just because Nick Patrick's rival, that's worked perfectly. Almost like we know each other, isn't it, Rob? It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> None of the others are going to up. That's it now. <laughs> no, probably not. Uh, for my next pick, I'm going across to Japan. Uh, and again, for, for longevity uh, and a few bits, I'll get to it. So Tiger Hattori. He refereed, albeit uh, some of it part-time towards the end, for 38 years. He was actually a university Greco-Roman wrestling champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, brought to the US by Hiro Matsuda uh, to work as a trainer in the Fundamentals of Pro Wrestling. Actually had a hand in uh, training Hulk Hogan after, I believe it was Hiro Matsuda broke Hogan's leg and he came back. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a manager for Masa Saito and Killer Khan in the territories. Uh, he did work briefly for Bill Watts, uh, worked his way up to be the head ref of, uh, of New Japan. Um, followed Ricky Choshua around a little bit, but he's refereed some of the most high-profile pro, high matches in New Japan. I actually had the uh, the fortune of uh, uh, of seeing him referee uh, one of his final uh, was definitely his final match in Britain. But one of his final matches was uh, Rampage Brown versus Ishii for WCPW. They brought him across just to just to referee that match. Wow! Oh wow! So yeah, uh, Tiger Tor is my uh, my next pick. It's a, a solid pick. It's on my list. Um, so I think we have talked um, pre-show about this with uh, ones where you could have gone one way or the other because I've gone for red shoes. So that's uh, the other side of, <laughs> of that going too. Um, so I started out um, in SWS, did war, did all Japan, New Japan. Um, he chose the name as a tribute to uh, Red Shoes Duggan, who was an American referee. I don't know if anyone's heard of him. Nope. I mean, it's not Hacksaw Jim Duggan with red shoes on. But, I uh, thought because he, <laughs> what, he had an affinity just wearing red shoes. And nothing um, else. Well, he, yeah, but he sometimes wears a red belt as well, so it's not just, uh, not just shoes. Um, had a um, 20th anniversary show for New Japan that they um, uh, organised for him. Um, he... Um, it's an absolute bump machine, sort of always getting knocked over when he fights back with uh, the wrestlers uh, quite comically... Um, just um, you know, famous things like that. Uh, stunner he took from um, Tamatonga. Um, you know, he absolutely felt like a, a pack of spuds. Uh, it's brilliant. But uh, yeah, it's funny. Uh, I, I, as I say, I can't imagine the next two are going to be uh, this well matched. But uh, going <laughs> so far, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, my next one is sorry, it's, it's partially longevity, but also because he's done everything in wrestling, including have the odd the odd match. Obviously, he's, he's not. You know, he's not a wrestler, but it's, it's Teddy Long. He started out as an errand boy uh, in Jim Crockett promotions. Uh, he went up through being ring crew and came in as a referee. His first major match uh, was in uh, 1989 when he, he was actually a replacement uh, for the original referee for Steamboat versus Flair at the uh, the Chi-Town Rumble. Um, then he was uh, he became a heel after that, went on to be a manager um, throughout WCW. Um, he was... Uh, <laughs> He was also a DJ on the road for Kevin Sullivan and Eddie Gilbert, which is how, uh, which I think is how he, they uh, they actually ended up putting him into that more prominent manager's role. Um, Reft in WWE from uh, '98 to 2002, went back to being a heel manager, and he was also just one of the best GMs I think they've they've probably ever had. Tag team Teddy, uh, getting people to go one on one with the Undertaker, 
Um, yeah, just just absolutely love the bloke. Just full of personality. Um, yeah, he's fantastic. It's a great pick. Yeah, this one isn't going to match up to Teddy Long. <laughs> at all. Um, so my uh, next pick um, started wrestling in the 1950s uh, with his uh, two brothers, uh, Max and Shirley. It's uh, Brian Crabtree of uh, World of Sport fame. Um, he actually got um, injured in a trios match uh, with the other two, so maybe they could have made um, the next section. But um, he decided that um, referees work every night and uh, don't have to take any bumps, so he thought that'd be a better career move. Um so in the 1970s, when his brother Max became the main booker creative force behind World of Sport, he brought in um, Brian to be the referee slash um, ring announcer, depending on the show. And he brought in Shirley as Big Daddy to be the main face of the company. So between them, there were the booking power, the face of the company, the referee slash announcer. You know, they had sort of all the bases uh, covered. Uh, he refereed at um, all of the big Wembley shows that in the early 80s that kind of thing, just um, sort of iconic in terms of what he did for British wrestling and, um, you know, the, the sort of the stranglehold that that family had on uh, wrestling at the time. That That's some man-style uh, booking there. <laughs> yeah, another great pick, though. That is, that is the most Rob pick uh, that there could <laughs> possibly be. I thought you'd have saved that for last, to be honest, mate. Oh, you're going to love the last one, the last <laughs> most Rob pick. Is it, is it Aubrey Edwards? No, no. Your 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 favourite referee. If if we're talking about people who, if they were given some uh, table tennis rackets, could marshal a plane into uh, the uh, <laughs> the landing <laughs> thing. I mean, to be fair, I, I'm kind of I feel a bit guilty about doing best refs because I kind of like it when a ref doesn't make themselves noticed. Like mm-hmm. if a ref hasn't become the centre of attention, unless they're going to be in a a feud like. Um, uh, you know, Nick Patrick was or whatever. Um, I think they've done a good job if you can't remember them. Um, but uh, I can't watch Norbury Edwards match without being distracted by the crazy flailing arms. She's like a Bailey body, but in real life. And, uh, <laughs> and the other thing that really annoys me, she wears red lipstick when it's an important match. So that implies that all the matches when she doesn't wear red lipstick aren't important. So if she doesn't care, why should I? And that is killing the business. <laughs> oh, I knew so I'd put, put 50p in the dickhead with that one. <laughs> Just Your last pick has to be Aubrey Edwards now. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's not. Um, I've gone for, it was just, it was my favourite referee growing up and I was never quite sure why. But the more I've learned about the bloke over the years, I just liked him more and more because he had a bit of a baptism of fire into, into wrestling. And it's, uh, it's Tim White. Um, he started refing part time in 1985. He was uh, he was he was Andre's agent, obviously, you know, his best friend. So you can imagine some of the shit that man's seen and participated in <laughs> the drinking sessions and all that. Um, he went full time in 1993. Refereed for uh, for another nine years full time. He was the referee for the uh, the infamous uh, Hell in a Cell between Undertaker and Mankind. Um, Sadly, he was uh, he was injured um, in 2002 during the Triple H Jericho Hell in a Cell match. Actually, watch that back. He do, he does take a he takes a bump off the apron into the cell and down to the floor, and it's just he goes down like yeah. a sack of spuds, like but not in a good way, like red shoes. He just really just clatters into the floor. Um, 
he returned briefly uh, in 2004 at WrestleMania 20 to referee Jericho Christian, but he re-injured his shoulder. Um, maybe not remarkable for some, as I say, just when I was a kid, I just always remember him being there. And it, I think there was the, um, it was the, uh, the referee sort of rebellion in, uh, I think it was either the late 90s or the early 2000s. This has actually only just come back to me now, so it's all off the top of my head. And he was, I always remember him being, uh, being sort of very prominent in that, along with Earl Hebner. That could be right or wrong. I was a kid. I don't know. Um, but on researching Tim White, I went down a bit of a YouTube rabbit hole because he did a thing at Armageddon 2005. And I don't know if you guys remember this. And his map, his map has picked. Uh, oh right, and, so I, I, and it's literally because of this what you're going to go into. The uh, it, so the the segment in 2005 was Josh Matthews was there in all his <laughs> ill-fitting suit, frosted tip, floppy-haired glory, trying to interview Tim White because the Helena Cell had ruined Tim White's career. They're in his bar, the friendly tap, and Tim's just not responding to him. He's just sat there, he's pounding shots, he's drinking a beer, and then he gets a shotgun out from under the bar goes into it saying how much he hates the Hell in a Cell, ruined his life, he's been he's gone down such a rabbit hole, alienated all his friends and family. Then he walks off screen and you hear a gunshot implying that he'd committed suicide. I think it was the next SmackDown or a couple of weeks later they said, oh no, he just shot himself in the foot. Yep. And they did another segment where Tim White then tried to hang himself. This became a WWE.com skit every week called The Lunchtime Suicide. <laughs> it was 16 weeks. He'd been to, interviewed by Matthews every week and saying, oh, yeah, I've come to see how he's getting along, blah, 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 blah. And he'd try and kill himself in a different way every week. And I noted down just a few. Uh, he tried to he obviously tried to hang himself. He had a toaster in a, in a bathtub. He slit his wrists, which was complete with sound effects and ketchup blood. Uh, he chained a brick around his neck and tried to drown himself in a fish tank. He tried to intentionally give himself mad cow disease in a laboratory where he just drank it. It just said mad cow disease on it. It started frothing at the mouth and all of this bullshit. <laughs> he strangled himself while on the phone to Matthews, who was at the headquarters of a suicide hotline. He chucked himself into an industrial-sized fan, coating Matthews in what looked like chunky marinara sauce. He got shot in the head by an assassin that he paid off. It was just absolutely fucking insane. And looking back on it now, it's such bad taste. But you just got Matthews watching him do all this horrible shit. Just going, oh, Mr. Mike, Mr. White, that's not wise. That's not wise. That's not wise. And it ended with, with Tim White hosting a celebration of friendship for Matthews and all the WWE.com viewers in his bar. And it ended with Tim White murdering Josh Matthews with the shotgun that he initially failed to kill himself with. The best way to end it. Long-term yeah, booking. <laughs> well, it was 16 weeks, so it's longer yeah. than any current WWE angle. The the best one of those for me was when he uh, when he tried to eat the rat poison and fell over in his chair. <laughs> he fell over backwards, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a great pick. And for all, for that exact reason is why it's going to be my first pick. But uh, we'll let Rob finish off his Mount Rushmore. I don't know how I can follow that. It's <laughs> <laughs> completely, completely blown me out of the water. Pick like, Aubrey oh, Edwards. Wow. That's the best way <laughs> to follow it. Aubrey Edwards, yes, was brilliant. Yeah. Um, so my next pick is El Hio del Torantes. Um, 
the uh, which translated is the son of suspenders, and he wears suspenders just like his father did. Is a uh, referee in um, AAA. Uh, started out as a wrestler, but in '97 he transitioned into being a referee. Um, so nominally he's a technico, which is sort of the uh, lucha libre for face, um, but he can sort of be persuaded to the Rudo side uh, depending on the match. Um, he's had famous rivalries with Abismo. Uh, a really famous rivalry with Fabio Apache, which is quite interesting because it's like this intergender um, rivalry. So you've got the referee against sort of the famous female wrestler. Although intergender is a lot more popular in Mexico. Um, first happened when he um, caused her to lose at um, Triple Mania 18 in 2010. Um, the rivalry is still going on now. Um, they had a match in um, 2019. Um, Again, that he lost at uh, Benero de los Grado. Um, it's, it's just, well, storytelling in AAA moves at a glacial pace at the best of times, but just the fact that um, they've managed to string this out for uh, nearly 10 years and uh, whenever he referees a match that involves her, he's uh, cheating and then he'll just referee another, another match normally um, just because he's uh, that biased. So uh, I, I think it's absolutely, yeah, absolutely great. And the, the way that they've, the story only appears when there needs to be a story. The rest of the time, he just fades into the background, um, which, again, was what I was getting to earlier. So I'll, I'll only make a point of being there when there's a point. Yeah. Otherwise, just play, you know, don't don't get noticed. Uh, I mean, I don't know anything about that referee, but it, it does sound like quite a character. Son of Suspenders, did you say his name was? That's what it translates to, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say it's a good or a bad pick. It's epic. I don't know anything about him. But uh, four very uh, unique Mount Rushmore's there. Um, I'll go first on ours then, Paul, if you if you don't mind, seeing as uh, Rob's pretty, uh, seeing as Dan's pretty much talk, said everything about mine, I'm going for, for Tim Watt. I think uh, kind of like the same way uh, of, of Rob's view, that referees are the best when they kind of, fade into the background uh, until there is a need for the storyline and and Tim Watt was was that kind of referee you, you didn't really hear of him getting involved in 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 the matches uh in in any kind of impartial way um but yeah the, it was all about the lunchtime suicides for me it was absolutely just brilliant i remember watching them uh, when they were, when they came out and then going back and, and rewatching them again recently it's just it's just comically stupid uh so yeah i'm gonna go with tim white for my first pick i didn't even know they existed until like this until last week did you know by, no bypassed me completely and i just what wow. i spent however long it was because only a couple of minutes each just sat there going, yeah. what the fuck is this <laughs> well, they, get, they get more and more surreal as you go along as well yeah well it shits all over Jer- uh, kevin owens and jericho's festival of friendship doesn't it <laughs> So, Paul, what, who's your first pick of uh, the best referees? I feel woefully unprepared compared to you three. I thought this was like a, a, a little amuse-bouche. <laughs> You're just going to say the name, aren't you? Just, just say, say the name. name. <laughs> yeah. Earl Hebner was my first one. Uh, just because he kind of all the big wrestling memories I have, he, he seemed to be there. Um, so I had, I had to pick him. A solid pick, and he's my second pick. Earl Ebner was on mine as well, um, and it's for for all the reasons that that you eloquently just put then, Paul, and all the ones that, that, <laughs> that uh, Rob covered earlier. But I think for me, the main reason why I picked Earl Ebner is because of how much of a grifter 
him and his brother were. The fact that they got fired from WWE for selling knockoff merchandise, that's just absolutely quality. <laughs> and just, they had to go on, on on the list just for that. So he's a criminal as well as a bastard. <laughs> and he, 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 he did help screw Brett, which is good in his favour, I suppose. <laughs> were, were they selling any of those um, meat-warming slippers? Oh, not slippers, trainers. Tra- sorry, it's trainers, sneakers. We, we will get to them, don't you worry about that. That's a right. whole other show. Um, <laughs> Number two, Red Shoes Uno. Because I just love that you can some... basically murder someone uh, before you even get disqualified by Red Shoes Uno. I think that's great. Great. Yeah, and he's so charismatic as well. He's a great referee. Uh, he didn't make my list... Uh, but my third is uh, another one that's already been mentioned, Tiger Hattori. Uh The fact that he got um, a farewell tour just shows the kind of uh, the influence and and uh, the respect that they have for him over in, in New Japan. And like, um, like Dan said, he, he kind of travelled the world following uh, Ricky Choshu around. Uh, now I believe he's uh, the foreign liaison officer for, for New Japan. So, yeah, my uh, third pick's uh, Tiger Hattori. Good, good pick. Thank um, you. <laughs> my third pick, uh, like Dan, is Teddy Long. Um, just because he, because basically what he did after refereeing, um, he really kind of made a made another career after refereeing, and uh, and he, he's he's very charismatic and uh, and like Dan said, a very good GM. Yep, another great pick. Uh, I'm going to actually finish with one that's not been mentioned, and I'm actually surprised with uh, with the kind of knowledge of wrestling that that we four have. I'm surprised he hasn't been mentioned before now. Uh, Charles Robinson, I'm going to go with. Uh, obviously, Little Nate idolised uh, Ric Flair as he was growing up, kind of wanted to emulate uh, Tommy Young uh, in his kind of refereeing style. Um, obviously, Went to uh, WCW. After, apparently, tried to re- uh, repeatedly to get a job there and was turned down multiple times. Uh, but he actually signed in 1997 for them. In 1999, he was the the official heel referee of the Four Horsemen, uh, which led to him living his dream of working with his hero Ric Flair. Uh, and that kind of angered like the faces, especially like uh, Randy Savage, who ended up getting uh, suspended by Ric Flair, who was acting as president then. And he proposed a match between uh, Charles Robinson and Gorgeous George with uh, Randy's reinstatement on the line. So that's where we got the the debut of Little Nate, where he came out in the in the robe and he was doing all his heroes mannerisms. Um, going into his uh, WWE career, kind of transitioned over with the with the invasion angle, and he was Nick Patrick's understudy in the Clash of the Referees. Uh, and then in his time in WWE, his referee pretty much. A, a who's who of big matches. Uh, refereed Ric Flair at WrestleMania 24, uh, World Heavyweight Title matches at Mania 22, 23, and 24. Re- uh, ref the main event of WrestleMania 26 when Undertaker retired Shawn Michaels. So the guy has literally done it all. And he's also took a lot of injuries in the ring as well. He's dislocated his elbow, uh, nearly had his thumb chopped off, broke multiple fingers and uh, tore a muscle in his foot. So yeah, I'm going to go with a uh, with little Nate's Charles Robinson to round my list off. But he's never intentionally contracted mad cow disease. 
Oh, shut Josh Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> and that's always getting your brownie points, isn't it, really? Yeah, absolutely. When you've got your own bar called the Friendly Tap, you're instantly the, the best referee that ever lived. I'd love to go to that bar, if it still exists. I have no idea. Um, so, yeah, my last pick is uh, Charles Robinson. Okay, and I, my last pick is Mike Kyoda because I saw, I think, Chris Jericho tweet last week that Mike Kyoda was the best referee in the world. So I thought he must be all right. You're really going to trust Jericho's opinion after he's been liking Trump tweets and <laughs> playing <laughs> playing COVID festivals? Fair play. Fair. <laughs> um, yeah, I, did, I didn't have a fourth pick, so um, I saw that and thought, well, yeah, that'll do. Wow. And you are the co-host of the show, and you come with the least preparation. Brilliant. <laughs> I've, I've never, I've never sat down to watch a good. I never like buy a pay per view and think, right, I'm going to watch some really good refereeing. Yeah, that's that's fair. But you knew the topic. You could have like looked into the careers of these referees. I know. I, I put all my effort in my trios. Okay, so we'll see how that goes. I think my internet's break, breaking up. <laughs> we'll get three sentences instead of one. <laughs> Right, then let's uh, let's test Paul's theory that he's put loads of effort into his uh, into his trios. Uh, let's get on with the main topic. So, guys, uh, let's go with you first. Who's going? Uh, who's going first to to complete your Mount Rushmore of the the greatest wrestling trios? And it is very very loose for context. We've had a lot of discussion uh, in the in the pre uh, pre DMs about how how strict the rulings are. So basically, it's any any group that's known as a threesome. Uh, they could have had more uh, members. It doesn't really matter, as long as there were three of them at one time or another. Uh, that's that's the general rule. It's on you then, Rob. Right, so I've been teasing you all in uh, in the DMs that I was going to go for a, uh, a team that was famous for a, a run in WCW that liked to sing, that liked to dance, that had a questionable fourth member um, that people like to forget. So I'm going to go with the fabulous Freebirds. Um, they, um, obviously the epitome of uh, trios wrestling, the Freebirds rule. Um, the fabulous Freebirds version I'm going with is Michael PFA's um, um, Buddy Rob- uh, Roberts and Terry Gordy. I'm going to uh, ignore Bad Street um, in the WCW incarnation to count as the three. Um, obviously, as I say, the Freebird rule. Um, they are supposedly the team that got pop music or whatever as an entrance theme first. It only ever been classical music before with uh, Leonard Skinner's Freebird, um, which isn't true, actually, because Big Daddy had um, the uh, Seekers' We Shall Not Be Moved before they had um, that. So that's a, another win for British wrestling. Um, but but, but it, it's a close second. It's a close second. Uh, Big Daddy actually recorded a version of his theme, which the Freebirds did as well with uh, Bad Street USA. So... Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, crossover. Um, they had famous rivalries uh, in WCCW with the Von Erics, uh, with the Road Warriors in the AWA. Um, and they were in um, the opening scene, well, the opening scene in present day in Highlander. Um, there was a match um, supposedly at Madison Square Garden, although I don't think it was actually filmed there, against uh, Greg Gagne, the Tonga Kid, and uh, Jumping Jim Bronzel. Um, so they made a little bit of a crossover into the... Uh, mainstream as well um so yeah i'm going with the fabulous free birds fair enough i'll uh, i'll save my veto i had uh i had one all all lined up i had one all lined up for three count (laughs) oh dear me 
What are you going to do if his next pick isn't a three count? I'll I'll enjoy the rest of my day. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I can't fault the Freebirds. I've not seen much of them myself. Um, To be perfectly honest, I've gone back, watched a few bits. I know them by reputation. Um, But, yeah, can't fault it. It's a great pick. Uh, Tolly, it's your turn first. Yeah. Well, Rob set me up a little bit here because... because uh, there's a there's a, a link with Michael Hayes in mine, because I'm going for Team Extreme, the Matt and Jeff Hardy and Lita. Um, one of the main reasons is they they were just um, kind of one of my favourite things to watch when I was growing up. Um, obviously, the Hardy Boys came into WWE in 1998, um, started out jo- jobbing in their uh, in their plaid tights. Then uh, they got picked up by Michael Hayes as their manager and actually won their first tag team championships under him. Then they went on to the new brood, um, kind of, and then, you know, the brood could arguably be being a running for the trios here. Uh, they replaced Edge and Christian as Gangrel's disciples, um, which put them kind of in a long, a long uh, kind of career feud, if you like, with Edge and Christian. Um, in that feud, the Hardys won the, the Terry Invitational Tournament. Um, earning the services of Five Nerds Go favorite Terry Runnels, and I, she got a mention in our pre-show. And um, and so by the end of 1999, the Hardys had already been in like three successful trios with Michael Hayes, with Gangrel, with Terry Runnels. They'd won tag team titles. They'd start carving out a good good reputation for themselves. But I think it was when um, when Lita joined them uh, to form Team Extreme. I think uh, that really took them to the next level. I think they were revolutionary in in WWE. Really, they revolutionised the the WWE tag team division, and later revolutionised the WWE um, women's division. Um, they had you know they always exciting. They had unique kind of unique wrestling style as well as unique kind of dress style, um, capable of things that we'd never really seen in WWE before. And like I said, with with the Hardys, along with Edge and Christian and Dudley, has made the tag division kind of must see. Um, pioneered had pioneered new match types like TLC. Lita main evented Raw with Trish Stratus and Stephanie McMahon, kind of putting the women's division on the map for a little bit. And um, and kind of she showed she could mix it up with the men too. Um, kind of getting involved in the TLCs, uh, competing in intergender tag matches, and she fought Dean Malenko for the light heavyweight championship. I think Lita really kind of offered Team Extreme and the Hardys a, a unique threat at that time. And um, Lita, she, Lita's a four-time women's champion, Hall of Famer. Hardys are a nine-time WWE tag team champion, one tag team championship, TNA, Ring of Honor. Jeff's obviously had a massively successful solo career, and Matt's been very creative kind of tour de force as well. So I think... Um, I've, I, I think they're a very unique trio, and I, I'd put them on my Mount Rushmore. Mm. Yeah, it's a great pick. Um, I am tempted to veto just because you said how much you, you really liked them. Uh, <laughs> That's not a reason to veto. <laughs> I've got to apologise as well, Paul. I was I had my hands up in the air giving you the wanker sign because I thought you were going to pick the Hardys and Doc Hendricks. <laughs> <laughs> that would have definitely got a veto. Um <laughs> No, I'm going to hold off because I I do like Jeff and, and Matt. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll leave we'll we'll leave them on. They can stay on. 
Well, you're very kind. <laughs> I know. I'm feeling kind. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to you, Dan, for your first uh, pick on, on yours and Rob's uh, Mount Rushmore. Well, contrary to what Rob said in the uh, the pre-show DMs, I'm not going with some obscure British wrestling trio that have only ever wrestled in front of 12 people. Um, I'm going for probably the most recognisable game-changing trio in wrestling history, and it's the NWO. Uh, spe- obviously, specifically Hogan, Hall and Nash. Mm-hmm. It's not something I saw live because I, I didn't sort of have access to WCW uh, growing up, I was very much a WW, uh, WWF guy, and but I've gone back, watched it, watched WCW week by week, and they really were fantastic. That was probably the, it was definitely the biggest single heel turn of all time when Hogan came out, bashed at the beach, revealed himself as the third man, and to be honest, that obviously the invasion angle has been said multiple times, blurring the lines. Is it real? Is it fake? Is it story? Is it are they actually? Is Scott Hall actually there? just fucking about, just winding people up. And even individually, they are three of the most decorated wrestlers ever. I think between, I've noted it down, Hogan, seven world titles, Nash, six world titles, 12 tag titles across WWE, WCW, TNA, uh, and an IC title, Scott Hall, four IC titles, two US titles, nine tag titles across the AWA, WCW, and TNA. The... one TV title reign, USWA heavyweight champion. And it was to a point where they were regularly pelted with crap from the crowd. Natural crap, but, you know, rubbish, just thrown in the ring. And that sort of magic will probably, well, it'll never happen again because of obviously safety concerns, et cetera. And that's, so, you know, that's probably, it's probably right to be fair. But that level of anger and vitriol to actually have, a, a beer or a drink that you've paid good money for to just lob it out to hit to despise someone so much to lob it at them. It's so bloody rare. And they were and they were just looking back on it, they were just absolute shitheads. Were they? <laughs> oh, there was the incident with the police being called as well, with the backstage attack, the infamous sort of Mysterio lawn dart, mm-hmm. and the cops that were actually called from people uh, people watching it. Was it people just passing by at Disney? Yeah. It, so, yeah, I mean it, the the angle. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, I was just going to say it was just it was so different to the wrestling that was going on then. Like you knew it was scripted, you knew it was a TV show. That you, it was almost like what is going to happen because they they were booking it by the seat of the pants, and you could tell that, and it was exciting. So it's a great pick. Yeah. Well, the angle the angle got bloated and whatnot, and the faction got just too big for its boots, and they were trying to manufacture the invasion. But that original trio of Hogan Hall and Nash were just so revolutionary and then they even got brought back obviously in 2001 that was what it was but we got one of if not the biggest wrestlemania match and moment of all time with the clash of the years which with rock and hogan and even when they were brought back out of it's been sting's corner for the uh, for the Triple H Sting match um, at wrestlemania 31 say what you want about that match but how cool was it to finally see the NWO and DX, the original members, mm-hmm. facing off. Yeah. So, yeah, NWO. It's a solid pick, but whether it stays uh, on is up to Rob. Well, I can't argue with it. I mean, I, I've got them on my shortlist um, as well. And um, as someone who is old enough to have watched it at the time, I show my uh, great age. Um, 
it, it did legitimately at the start feel like WWF were invading WCW when Scott Hall um, came out and cut that promo about, you know, who I am sort of thing. He was sort of blurring the lines between kayfabe and reality in a way that, that hadn't happened before. And it, it was completely, completely changed the game and completely changed the industry. And um, on a side note, I think the NWO had a little life hack that we could all learn from. Um, they had it originally in the contracts that they'd get a, uh, a dustbin full of beer bottles at every uh, every show. And after a couple of shows, they realised that the empties were causing them a lot of trouble because they weighed so much. So they changed the contract to cans so they could crush them down. So that that's a uh, a good lesson for life there. <laughs> <laughs> cans are the way to go. <laughs> I didn't even know Certainly that about yeah. the contract. That's a that's a cool little story there. So on to me for my first pick on our Mount Rushmore. Uh, I'm tempted to go with uh with um, the pick that Rob called, um that yeah no it was Rob uh, the fabulous three birds. Uh, but I'm going to maybe keep that in my back pocket in case I need to veto Paul. Uh, I'm going to go with Demolition, I think. Now, Demolition were originally a tag team with Billy and Randy Caller, uh, but after a few matches, Randy had to be replaced because uh, the WF felt he was too recognisable as Moondog Rex, so they drafted in uh, the former Killer Khrushchev, uh, Barry Darso, uh, who is arguably the 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 second best wrestler to have ever walked the face of the earth with uh with the repo man. Um but he slotted into the role of Smash and they they would be kind of looked at as almost like a Legion of Doom Road Warriors style ripoff. But I think that's a bit unfair to him because they 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 were they had totally different kind of uh uh styles. They they were kind of more based on uh, the Mad Max uh uh, kind of look with the the leather outfits and the and the the studded uh, um, hockey masks, and they had the 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 face paint obviously that was some usually some sort of combination of red, black, white, and silver. Uh, they won the tag titles at WrestleMania four when they beat Strike Force and went on to hold them titles for a record four hundred seventy eight days, which was only just beaten in twenty sixteen by the New Day, I think. Uh, they'd uh, quickly get them belts back in uh, November 1989 when they beat the Brain Busters. Um, and then in WrestleMania 6, they did actually win the titles for the third time when they uh, took them back off Andre and Haku, who they'd, who they'd lost them to. Um, but shortly after this this match, they would form the trio that uh, that we all uh, we all know when Crush was added to the team. Uh, in kayfabe terms, he was added as a way to kind of have a numbers advantage against uh, against their opponents. But it was actually in reality because uh, Axe had developed a, a shellfish allergy, which had hospitalised him, and Vince wanted a, a third member just in case uh, Bill was on uh, was uh, on the shelf for, for extended periods of time. Uh, Crush would would take over Axe's position pretty much in in the match, uh, and Axe would would slowly transition into being almost like a manager. But they'd still kind of use that that well known free bird rule uh, on when it came to defending the the titles. Uh, and uh, but at SummerSlam in nineteen ninety, they they lost the belts to uh, the Hart Foundation in a two out of three falls match. Uh, but in the match, uh, they actually started with Smash and Crush, but Axe uh, secretly came down later on to substitute himself in uh, behind the referee's back. Uh, but they were ultimately stopped by the Legion of Doom, who just signed with the company about a month earlier. They in, uh, interfered and snuffed out the deception. 
and Demolition would never ever go and um, recapture those titles and they quickly dropped down the, the card in popularity and then uh, Bill would leave the company in 1990 and then unfortunately the team would break up in uh, in 1991. Uh, Crush would obviously still have a, a fairly decent run in WWE afterwards, but uh, out of the three, you'd say Barry Darso had the greatest success when he uh, he adopted the potentially the greatest gimmick that's ever been in wrestling when he was uh, the repo man. So yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Demolition for my first pick. And it, and it's such a shame that uh, a conspiracy theory of Vince McMahon and Dave Meltzer has uh, combined to erase Repo Man's uh, World Heavyweight Championship from. Uh, <laughs> From history, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely outrageous. Uh, and they've even, they've even uh, got rid of uh, Tugboat's following uh, title reign as well. So it is, it's just disgraceful. It is. It, is. I, it still hurts. The fact that you brought it up has cut me deep, Rob. Uh, I know we're not supposed to talk about it because, you know, we'll, we'll have targets on our backs now. But... <laughs> we'll be blacklisted by the McMahons. <laughs> They'll send Tim White's assassin. <laughs> <laughs> they'll make us eat uh, rat poison <laughs> or drink mad, uh, mad cow disease <laughs> I, I know you love the repo man I, I, feel, I feel bad but, but how, how long do you say that title reign was of demolitions the record one was 478 days but that's not a record anymore is it no they was beaten by the new day so I think the new day has to replace them just use it as your second pick then you tosser you don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to veto. I do have to veto. I do have to veto. Um, um, can I retroactively veto Team Extreme then? You can't retroactively veto. That's. I'm. I'm not it's happy with this at all. Tolly the bastard. <laughs> the, the new day have to go up there for me. I think. Um, I think they, they, they're relentlessly entertaining. Um, this this seemingly everlasting BFFs. And I hope it goes on that way forever. Um, formed in 2014 with not even a, a hint of separation since. Um, it kind of offered a career resurgence, for, a resurgence, a career resurgence for um, Kofi Kingston. He's not going to edit that out now either because I, because I beat him. I'm definitely not. A career resurgence for Kofi Kingston, which obviously ultimately resulted in a world championship. Um, I think it gave a, a platform for Xavier Woods immense creativity um and hopefully it's been the launch pad for 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 a big big career for big e um they're eight times tag team champions longest title reign beating demolitions so that's why they need to uh replace demolitions uh, 483 days um and i just think i want to put them on because i think they're just the epitome of kind of grabbing the bull by the horns and just making making something work um, New Day famously was uh, was their own idea. They felt they were looking in from the sidelines, not getting chances to be on the card, not getting any storylines, and um, and they they got this idea to to band together. And um, originally it was Xavier and Big E, and um, they convinced Kofi Kingston to join them as well. And even and you know they were persistent with that idea and. Even when Vince granted it, the idea didn't work originally. They had the uh, they had the kind of the, the gospel singer gimmick um, didn't work, so they kept that. They kept that, and you know these three guys are so creative that eventually it it paid off in paid off in spades. And I think it just it it is one of the one of the examples um, alongside kind of Bray Wyatt that I think rubbishes 
all these stories about Vince not trusting in talent. I think he just trusts in the right talent. If they've got the right ideas, then he doesn't just trust in any old shit. Um, apart from the stuff he writes. Apart from the stuff he writes, yeah. Um, so I, I just think they they should be an inspiration um, to the locker room that if you're kind of talented, creative, likable, then you can make it if you if you know if you have good ideas. Um, so they back themselves um and kind of yeah they've just become a colorful kind of loved merchandise juggernaut um and i i really enjoy them i love the dancing i love francesca the pancakes bootios unicorn horns the kind of gyrating new new day just rocks so um i think they've got to be on the mount rushmore for um for their longevity alone and i hope new day lasts forever i hope they never go into the uh I, they never fall into the trap of breaking them up. I think they can, they can just they can just be friends and stable buddies for, for the rest of their careers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with BetMGM. You'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. It's a great use of the veto. I'm fucking fuming about about. <laughs> That's why it's a great use of the veto. <laughs> As if you've took me, Paul man off. You've hurt me, Paul. That's. I don't know if I can recover from this, but yeah, they deserve to be on. Just not at the expense of, of demolition. Just like some top level bastardry, Paul. I'm impressed. I know. But next doesn't even matter now, does it? Since, since he had his COVID hiatus, it's become so political. It's unreal. He's he's been practicing vetoing stuff at home. I reckon. I'm just vetoing in the mirror out. every day. Four <laughs> hours every morning of well. vetoing. <laughs> I, I was actually I was actually at the uh, I was at that SummerSlam when they started off their uh, record reign. I was uh, me and my brother in the building the night the night they won it. It was incredible. We were there the next night on Raw as well when the Dudleys came back, which was a massive pop. But with both shows, if you go back and watch it on the network, um, this is more so for your guys' benefit than anybody listening to it. You can uh, you can see me in the uh, the top left corner on some of the shots, really? and I got I got roundly ridiculed. I can't remember if it was in those matches because at one point. Um, I was just sat there with my phone out, and my mates, I just, my mates just started royally taking the piss. And you've gone, you've gone around the fucking world to watch wrestling. You sat there with your phone out, you dickhead. But, well, that, that night was Big Show, Miz, and Ryback. So that's fair enough, understandable. Yeah, 
in the interest of fairness, though, because Dan's wanting people to point him out in the crowd on uh, various wrestling things, there's a uh, 4GW show from Osset Town Hall with about five people in the crowd, uh, and Dan is absolutely hanging in the corner. You can, you can see him, and he, he looks, you know, dog rough, so you need to check that out as well. <laughs> <laughs> I went on my own to try and, I went on my own to try and revive myself. <laughs> I just needed a trip out. I was hanging out my ass. <laughs> I think I'd recommend going to see that, uh, seeing that uh, show than the the SummerSlam one. Then there's a video on my Twitter of me spanking a gimp at a ride show. Oh Jesus! Well, that the other day. Yeah, I, I recorded that. I, I, I put it on the other day. No, it's off the. Um, it's clip from uh, from the actual uh, show video they put together. Um, it's yeah, it's slightly less odd than uh, Paul's park antics. <laughs> But, but, but slightly more real. <laughs> slightly more true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all allegations until you get caught in it, Tolly. <laughs> Rob wasn't the, hasn't been here to film me in the park, thankfully. <laughs> oh, yeah. The worst thing was, the Gimp's mum was laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a message off her the next day saying that she had to... Because <laughs> the guy who plays the Gimp, he's like, he's a trainee, he's about 18, 19. And uh, he asked... I do know his mum. It's not this didn't just all come out of the blue. I do know these people. Um, I got a I message off that of, makes it better. <laughs> makes it funnier. Uh, I got a message off her the next day saying, thanks to you, I've just had to check my son's ass for a handprint shit, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> I was well, pissed Bruce as a fart. I'd been drinking stings. for three days and it made a proper thundercrack of a noise and all. <laughs> I was so proud. Teenage gimps. And I didn't even have to pay. Living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway. So let's go to you guys for your next pick. Right, so, um, and, and I mentioned this last time I was on Badlands, there seems to be a bit of a pattern. It's, a, it's very male-dominated. Um, so I think it's time to uh, try and uh, redress that balance a little bit. And there's been a load of... Um, women's trios uh, lately, you know, Team uh, Team Bella, PCB, the Riot Squad, Team Bad. Um, but in many ways, um, they were the answer to and because of um, the beautiful people um, who were stable in uh, TNA. Um, and again, it's a stable that sort of changed members, um, but uh, the lineup I'm going for is Angelina Love, Velvet Sky and Madison Rain. Um, which is kind of the classic, if not the original, uh, lineup. Um, they started in 2007. Um, within sort of 18 months, WWE was scrambling and launched Lay Cool as kind of the, the alternative to them. Um, and what, one of the main things the beautiful people did was they were sort of regularly getting the highest ratings on the, on the show for TNA. They forced TNA to have more women's segments. Um, which, you know, is massively important to, um, you know, the, the place of women's wrestling and the, the fact that, um, you know, that there was this sort of momentum that TNA brought, brought up with their women's division that later translated into the um, WWE's women's revolution and where we see women's wrestling today. Um, in terms of championships, um, uh, among sort of the different lineups, there was a couple of TNA um, tag team women's championships, but Angelina Love with a six-time uh, knockouts champion, uh, Madison Rain a five-time and Velvet Sky a two-time, so completely dominant sort of over that division. 
they had feuds with kind of everyone in different um, uh, guises from Awesome Kong, Gail Kim. Um, they ended their um, the stable with a feud against the Dollhouse, which is kind of almost the new version that was coming up with Tyron Torello was fantastic at that time. Uh, you know, famous for giving their opponents makeovers, that kind of thing. Um, just, just an absolutely uh, brilliant faction and a faction that brought a lot of attention to TNA and really differentiated it as a, uh, as a different product with something unique from um, WWE at the time. Yeah, and, and that, that kind of influence that they had is still being shown in TNA now because they still put a, a big focus on the women's division. So yeah, I'll, I'll I'll think that's a great pick, but it's not up to me. It's whether Dan wants to veto. No, it's definitely staying on. I'm really glad you picked beautiful people, Rob. They were on my shortlist. Uh, I'm also really annoyed because I'm really fucking wishing I'd have chucked off the free birds now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I've been, I've been thinking, I've been thinking about using this veto since we set this up, and now I'm not going to get to use it. You're the only one as well, because I'm got, definitely going to veto this yeah. this fucker here. I know it's I've got, coming. I've got, I've got veto blue balls here. <laughs> is, is he allowed to go back and uh, veto the free birds? No, no, we play by the rules. Um, you can slide free count in there, Dan. You what? You can slide free count in there. What, veto myself? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I won't do it. Um, but me, my veto for three count uh, was going to be three MB. Oh, but yeah, no, I can't fault beautiful people. They were absolutely fantastic, always entertaining. Um, even when they had, uh, you know, when they had cute Kip as well, when he was in there. Um, I'm just really glad there that you didn't uh, PMS and meet, which was the uh, which was the which is the way I thought you were going initially. <laughs> oh my God, meat! He's been brought up a couple of times on this show. That's the only wrestler I know who's wrestled with a full on like boner. Stonk on. Yeah. <laughs> the only well, one you know. Nope, can't say that. Um, has Repo <laughs> ever tagged with uh, Bossman? Has Repo Man? I don't think he did. Oh, that's a shame. They're in kind of two different like, lines of employment. Because even though he was a Repo Man, he, he technically did steal the items. Did I don't think they, they signed contracts to say that they owed money on like, Macho Man's hat or anything like that. Max, we've been through this before. He was gainfully employed. It's just like an <laughs> they will take it away. Everyone's feeling that it's the that when they take these products back. But if you can't maintain the payments, then uh, they're going to come and take them away. It'd be a great buddy comedy. He was the, the cash converters of his time. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, what are you pawning up for me to veto? Okay, well, I know, I know it's getting thrown out anyway, isn't it? But um, I'm going to go for interesting. Interesting. Rob says that the women don't get much attention. My first team had a, a uh, my first team had Lita in, and this one's got China in because I'm going for um, Degeneration X. Oh, you arsehole. Was it yours? <laughs> no, I've not got him. But how do you beat the X? <laughs> <laughs> so I was, obviously, I'm going for the um, kind of original lineup. Um, once Rick Rude had left, so Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and China, um, picking them because they were just game changers for WWE in their um, in their losing battle with WCW at that time, and kind of really started bringing that that mainstream appeal and that cool back to to WWE or WF at the time. Um, formed in 
1997 um, feels like the year we talk about most on Badlands in 1997. Comes up all the time. Um, and of course, they, they were brought in as as uh, almost a foil to to the Heart Foundation, who were who were huge in that year as well. Um, and they just very quickly became the the embodiment of uh, of the Attitude Era. Um, crass and juvenile and provocative, and they, they were like they were like rock stars basically on the on a on the WWE show. Um, it made a kind of made a top level star out of Triple H. Um, Obviously, China broke out, and, and she broke whole new ground, kind of as, as a threat to to any man on the roster. And obviously, I think she, I think she's the only only woman to win a a man's title in not a man's title, um, win a major title in there uh, in WWE. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. With I the RC, so. she won the Intercontinental. I don't think anyone else has done that. I think she was tagged on to win the world. Well, she was. Uh, she was certainly like in the conversation to be the first female world champion. Certainly rumored, and she became a number one contender at one point, didn't she? Mm-hmm. But I think uh, Triple H screwed her out of it or something. Um, and obviously, uh, the existence of DX at that time kind of made Shawn Michaels infamous, and with the uh, the whole Montreal Screwjob that we've talked about so much, um, you know, group became so popular that they recruited Mike Tyson. Um, for a little bit, um, and I just think that that initial run of Degeneration X from from when Shawn Michaels won the title, that when Shawn Michaels stole the title at Survivor Series '97, to to losing to Austin, you're welcome, to uh, losing to Austin at WrestleMania in 1998 was just really really hot, and and they even had a pay per view named after them, which is which is really cool, um, and I just think those three. When I think of Degeneration X, that that is the lineup I think of those three, but it it did lay the foundations. Oh, not my fucking headset off! <laughs> I'm getting so excited. It, it, be laid... <laughs> it, uh, it laid the foundations for kind of all the iterations of Degeneration X that followed. And obviously, Shawn Michaels left after that WrestleMania match, and Triple H was rearing to go, kind of step up into that into that uh, kind of main heel position. So. Degeneration X. Oh, it's it is hard to beat all that. The but I am gonna fuck you, Paul. The United <sighs> States on. Uh, credibility. <laughs> credibility is flying out the window. Well, we'll see. Um so I'm gonna go I mean, you spoke about the the longevity of, of DX now, they they keep coming back, and I think that kind of tarnishes the reputation that they have because they just sometimes don't know when to quit. Well the 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 trio that I've got uh, were only around for about seven months, maybe, uh, but they did certainly make waves. Uh, so going back to October of 2002, uh, a young Shelton Benjamin and a young Charlie Haas started working their way up the, the card in house shows. Uh, they actually made their TV debut on uh, the Boxing Day edition of uh, SmackDown. Of 2002, when they were introduced by Paul Heyman uh, as a gift to his uh, to his top client Kurt Angle, and they were called Team Angle. They quickly got involved in a, a, a storyline with uh, Benoit and Edge, and defeated them uh, in in late January of 2003 to become the number one contenders for the for the tag titles. And then the following week, on February 6th, they actually uh, won the titles by beating the Los Guerreros. 
they continued this this uh, rather with Benoit uh, when they faced him and Brock at No Way Out in a, a handicap match, and uh, th- that's when they teamed with uh, with Angle for the first time. Uh, they they lost that match, but uh, they they successfully defended their tag titles against uh, Los Guerreros and Benoit and Rano at WrestleMania 19. Uh, but they eventually lost those belts to uh, Eddie Guerrero and Tajiri. That was a uh, judgment day. And then shortly after this, uh, Angles uh, confronted Benjamin and, and, and Haas and complained about how they'd been on a, a bit of a losing streak. Uh, and they, they they blamed him for them losing the tag titles and they began to question his uh, his leadership. So he, uh, he fired them from Team Angle, so Team Angle was no more. But they continued the storyline for a few weeks and they both ended up uh, wrestling Angle in, uh, in singles matches and then also in tag matches. Now, uh, Angle obviously went on to be one of the most successful wrestlers in, in WWE and in TNA. And uh, the the world's greatest tag team, as they would be known after that, would find success both in and out of WWE. And Shelton's still going uh, going uh, today uh, as part of the the Hurt business. So, yeah, I'm going to replace DX with Team Angle. Just just repeat that again. I'm going to replace with a straight face. <laughs> I can't. But <laughs> you took off Demolition and and Repo Man, so it's it's happening. Team Angle is better than DX. Shambolic. I can't do anything about it. It's shambolic. I'm not even going to stand up for you, Mags. You reap what you saw, Mr. Taller. <laughs> it's a legitimate argument for replacing Demolition with the New Day. Mm. <laughs> Tumbleweeds. <laughs> Just a poor man's main event mafia, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's a what a fancy take. What a faction. Main Event Mafia were actually real. I enjoyed Main I mean, they, they booked themselves so that they were the absolute best and they kind of held a lot of people back. But I loved Main Event Mafia. Oh, I thought they were great. Especially the start of the theme chart. So. I've signed up for Impact Plus, so I'm going to go back and watch all that. Because I only, I only saw that when it aired on Bravo about six weeks late and never in yeah. order. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had some really good stables in, in uh, TNA at that time. I mean, they've always had really good stables, actually. Team Canada. Yeah. Yeah, and my uh, my fourth pick, uh, my final pick for us, which uh, which I can see probably getting vetoed off. Rob's got a real glint in his eye and a and a shit eating grin. Um, but I'm sticking with uh, I'm sticking with TNA for my pick, and I'm going with Dick A. Oh, um, great pick! Yeah, yeah. Um, Abyss, one of, probably the best big man to never wrestle for WWE. Hell of a character all throughout his time in TNA. Um, him, and his, uh, him and his brother, uh, Joseph, uh, obviously did really well. Um, Crazy Steve, I've spoken on, on this program before about how, uh, about my respect for him and how much I enjoy his work. Love the, uh, just love the face paint. The little monkey's got the horn, everything. It's just <laughs> batshit mental. And absolutely love it. And for me, Rosemary is one of the best characters to come through impact full stop she's just fantastic but it kind of sticks with my with um with my underlying sort of theme with the nwo and that they've sort of revolutionized um the wrestling business in a way um it mostly with the uh, it's the uh, the broken uh, the broken hardy stuff uh, the delete or decay the tag team being part of the tag team apocalypto that when it was going on was unlike anything 
mm-hmm. any of us had ever seen. And it just absolutely hooked me in. The whole thing was just brilliant. And it was oddly prescient in the, obviously this day and age, um, a lot of uh, a lot of companies have had to go cinematic with how they film various uh, bits and pieces just to keep going. Um, also, with that, there were um, obviously there were TNA Tag Champions only once, which I found amazing because their feud with the Wolves just seemed to go on forever and ever. I thought they traded it back and forwards, back and forth, but they haven't. Rosemary obviously became the uh, the knockout champion during the time they were together as well, but none of them were ever afraid to mix it up in the hardcore matches. Like I say, in the, in the batshit mental cinematic mag- uh, matches, and I think we will see going forward. It's waned a little bit now, but I think we will see have to see going forward uh, a much more cinematic style, and none of that would have quite hit the heights it has without Dickey. It's a great pick, and and the the story you you mentioned on the last time around Badlands about about Crazy Steve being being legitimately bland. That was something I'd never heard of. And then after you you uh, you brought it up, it got picked up by like mainstream media and like you were hearing Cultaholic and what culture like talk about how it came out. It, it was it was bland. So you kind of like you scooped that that uh, that story like months before it dropped. It's almost like I'm one of the few people who follows wrestling that actually has a journalism degree. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> so you didn't my appearance on wrestling with statistics when I told that story a month before. <laughs> Wow! So only because you heard it from me. <laughs> I, I, I was stood next to you, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I was closer, so I heard it first <laughs> <laughs> by about by about six inches. Um, no, that's an excellent pick, and, and, and I'm kind of gutted because um, I, I was all ready to um, to say, um, you know, that that pick makes you a clown, and I'm going to. Uh, veto it with Psycho Circus, but uh, I can't even do that now, um, which is a staple of clowns in Mexico. Um, no, they um, absolutely agree. Decay, Decay was amazing. Um, one of the things that I was really sad about was that um, we never got a corporate Decay because we had uh, Abyss doing his um, um, Joseph Parks looking for his brother, you know, uh, his brother Chris, you know, Abyss, um, which was just absolutely brilliant. and. Um, yeah, obviously you had the sort of time when um, Kane was doing sort of the corporate side and um, corporate Kane and Monster Kane, and I think it would have been absolutely brilliant. I think if you'd have put um, Rosemary and Crazy Steve in uh, suits at the time and have them sort of as the general managers of Impact, but uh, aside from that, um, just on Rosemary, I'd be really interested in your opinion on this mags or maybe even uh, Carlos's opinion. What do you think to the Rosemary Sexy Star? Um, Move in Triple uh, A when supposedly Sexy Star broke her arm. Uh, it, I mean, I, I haven't seen it, uh, but I, I saw the Twitter backlash about it when it happened. And yeah, um, if it was legitimate that, that Sexy Star attempted to to hurt Rosemary on purpose, that's that's a scummy move. Well, I mean, the re- the reason I ask is that in a Judy Gatami, you'd normally try and go to the side to break the arm, and she was going up and down, which makes me think it's a work, but. I'm a conspiracy theory who believes uh, everything in wrestling is a work, so I don't know. But uh, it just it isn't the way that you would have tried to break someone's arm. No, that makes sense. But I'd be I'd be interested in uh, in uh, his son's opinion though, because obviously he knows a lot more than uh, than me, than, so. and and certainly a lot more than me. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll 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 find a clip of it and and show him and 
Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll discuss it. Did it affect Sexy Star's career at all? Well, she she was transitioning to MMA, so I think she was going to leave wrestling at the time anyway, and then it sort of gave her this image of this, you know, hard person who was going to go and break the rules. So it just seemed a little bit too convenient at the time. Certainly yeah, convenient, like, and put, put more eyes on uh, Rosemary as well. Yeah, it, like, like as, a, as a way out of the sport. Yeah, but as I say, you know, it's one of these things with wrestling, you're sort of so conditioned to think everything's a work that... Um, when things are really like, nah, that's a work, you know. So <laughs> got my tinfoil hat on, but that's just... Uh... Well, she certainly has transitioned into MMA. She's got a 5-0 and all record, so she's she's unbeaten in MMA. Yeah. Well, it's probably because they're scared of her. Because they think... <laughs> <laughs> she's going to break the arm. Because, yeah. she beat a, because she beat a demon in a fight. Yeah. <laughs> See, if it had been corporate Rosemary, no one would have cared, but... <laughs> well, going back to that, Rosemary actually... Rosemary did play the... Um, Sort of the multiverse angle. Um, though she, I've not actually seen it. I've seen snippets of it. The uh, sort of web series she did with uh, with Ali, um, you know, into the multiverse, and she even set up multiple Twitter accounts for Rosemary for Courtney Rush. Uh, I think there was a couple of other characters she played as well. Um, so yeah, she's sort of leaned into that. And I just want to throw it out there again because going back to the cinematic stuff, I bloody loved Wrestle House. I don't know yeah, if any of you guys have seen it. I've, yeah, I've, I've heard seen it. so much good things about it. I just, I just haven't seen any episodes of it yet. Just look, just look. It was, it, same as I said on the when I was on um, previously, it is just completely daft, but just full on, full on joy when Triple <laughs> XL and the Deaners are getting into a fight because the Deaners think that Triple XL drank their beer. And it includes it includes it includes it includes AC, uh, Cody Dina using a pedal bin to smack uh, AC Romero in the bollocks. <laughs> and Larry, Larry well, the pedal to flip it up. Yeah, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so the bin went straight into the daddy bags. Uh, and Larry D's got his irresistible uh, aftershave ring rust. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, had a, he's had a spell put on him by Rosemary to become all suave and sophisticated to make Johnny Bravo jealous so he calls himself Lawrence D and starts just dressing in like flowery shirts with big collars and shit and slicking his hair back yeah I'm, I'm going to have to catch some of it because yeah I've heard so much good stuff about it put Crazy Steve in a, in a blindfold match with um, Johnny Swinger because uh, Swinger accidentally threw powder in his eyes and Steve was rolling around going, I'm blind, I'm blind, I'm blind. And Tommy Dreamer leans in, she goes, Steve, you're blind anyway. He's like, yeah, like, yeah, but you don't know that. <laughs> Johnny Swinger was telling everyone that you're allowed to throw powder in people's eyes if you shouted Fuji first. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's round ours off, Paul. Um I've got a couple left to, to go from, uh, but I, I think to add a little bit of legitimacy to ours after the, the woeful uh, vetoes, I'm going to have to bookend the show. I'm going to have to go with the fabulous Freebirds. You can't have a Mount Rushmore of trios without it being... They were the, the guys that, that, that brought trios to the forefront. Um, Rob waxed lyrical about them, obviously. Um but yeah, um, they'll have to. They they have to go on. It's as simple as that. They've had uh, 
legendary feuds with the Von Eriks in uh, WCCW. Uh, they when they they went to um, GCW and and uh, World Championship Wrestling, and uh, they literally just toured the Americas with, uh, and they were just stars wherever they went. Uh, the the feuds that they had in AWA uh, were primarily with the Road Warriors, uh, where I think they cost them the tag titles. Uh, in a match against uh, uh, Jimmy Garvin and, and Stephen Regal. Uh, they only had a very short run in, in uh, WWE in, in the kind of like rock and uh, wrestling uh, period. And uh, they were actually managed or they were wrestled under the garden, sorry, of, uh, of Cindy Lauper's manager, uh, David Wolfe. Uh, but they they left after uh, a bit of an altercation with Andre the Giant, uh, who uh, went mad at him for, for turning up late to a show. Uh, and then after that, they, they went to AWA, returned to world class and even went to the UWF for, for a short run where uh, Gordy was actually the, the, the champion there. Uh, and uh, Buddy Roberts held the TV title and, and Hayes was the, the manager of, of the two. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with the, the fabulous Freebirds. And there's not a damn thing you can do about it, Paul. It's a fine choice. I wouldn't have anyway. <laughs> oh, but demolition got the got shit canned. Yeah, no regrets. I do have one question for you, uh, for you guys, Mags and Paul. Just think, this just occurred to me halfway through the show. On Badlands, obviously, I always mention Repo Man and Big Boss Man, so they're like two parts of a Badlands faction. Who's your third? And you can't say Lou Albano. <laughs> oh wow, what a question! <laughs> to make the Badlands triumvirate. Who's your third man? Oof. Who's your Hulk Hogan coming in? Who comes up a lot? Pepper the Pepper the dog. <laughs> yeah, Pepper comes <laughs> up an awful lot. Yeah. Moppy, I'd pick Moppy. Yeah, Moppy's come up a few times. <laughs> that's oh, a, that's a, a solid trio. Yeah. Moppy, Repo Man, and Boss Man. Three of the all-time greats. I like yeah. it. The official Badlands trio. Oh, I, I, I don't think I'm going that far. That, actually, that leans into one of my honourable mentions, because I very nearly let my uh, let my British bias take over, and I was going to name the British Bulldogs, um, Dynamite Kid, British Bulldog, and Matilda. Yep, it, it I very nearly went that way. Yeah, it's a very good pick. Bulldog uh, comes up a lot, actually. Yeah, and it gets vetoed a lot. I, I do veto what one of the British Bulldogs every few weeks. You're so bad, <laughs> Paul. Why, why do I put up with you? Um, why did you I, start a podcast with somebody who started watching wrestling three weeks ago? No, the, the, be, the best thing is I run the idea uh, by him thinking he was the perfect person to, to be on the podcast. And every week since I've bitterly regretted that that decision. I wish I kept the idea to myself now. <laughs> I, I did always wonder why why you approached me and what number on the list I actually was. <laughs> yes, just roll, going through the roller decks. <laughs> you have heard Five Nerds Go, haven't you? The unedited shambles that is Five Nerds Go. It's like uh, Tony Khan tweet when he says he, you know, he, he couldn't get the first, second, third, or fourth choice. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, they're, but they're going to bring in a defender. <laughs> The grief he got about that as well. Fucking clown. Yeah, it was... You don't do that. 
the the Fulham fans can't stand the Carnes. Absolutely can't stand. Even after they got promotion, he was literally on the next plane over to to Florida for AEW. They were they were absolutely fuming with him. That and the whole Michael Jackson statue. Yeah, that yeah, that's. I don't think that was the Carnes or that was was that not. Uh, Al Fayed, wasn't it? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not up on my uh, yo-yo club ownership uh, histories. <laughs> Did you have any um, uh, honourable mentions, Rob, people who, who just didn't make the cut? Um, one that I... Um, well, The Shield was uh, in there. Um, obviously, um, all three of them have gone on to great things. Um, they were really protected when they uh, came up massive undefeated streak. Um, the first time they got the comeuppance was when Jake Roberts made his uh, return to uh, WWE um, after, you know, what, 20 years or something, uh, ridiculous, and um, came out and uh, had um, the uh, the snake going over uh, Dean Ambrose. Um, and Dean Ambrose broke the record for um, the US title, although he never defended it. It was pretty lackluster rain, but he still still sort of had it. Um, you know, they've, they've gone on to be the sort of top guys in WWE, and Ambrose is now in uh, AEW. Um, you know, that... The, the, they had a massive impact. Um, the other one, um, and because it was like a trio that fought as a trio and won a trio championship and was the heart and soul of a trio division, um, I've gone for Son of Havoc, Eva Lee and Angelico from Lucha Underground, um, two-time trios champions. Um, that they, they were very much the faces of that division, and they didn't actually have a tag team division in uh, Lucha Underground. It was just the trios. So. You know, it, it was a lot more kind of mainstream than something like, you know, the, the never open weight six men is just, you know, the, the three people have jammed together that week, isn't it? No yeah. one really no one really cares, you know, not not to disparage Yoshi Hash's uh, <laughs> first time. <laughs> but it's, it, it's about as prestigious as something as you might get off the back of a, a box of Frosters, you know. So. It's as prestigious as the time Midian found the, the European title and he was just giving it. But there has been some some great times when people have found championships, like when Eric Young found the old TNA championship belt in the uh, the bin and uh, was going around defending that. That was absolutely classic. Um, like even, even I was just about to say, like the rehashing with Moose at the minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he, people say he didn't win that championship, but he found it fair and square, you know. But he, <laughs> he's absolutely gone on and he's made it feel more important than the... Um, Impacts World Championship, which is kind of ridiculous, but which well, it was it was stuck in Mexico and couldn't be uh, couldn't be featured. They've had, I'm pretty sure they've had to make a new belt for uh, for Eric Young. Yeah, but um, no, there, there has been great times when people have found a uh, found a championship. But um, yeah, I had a couple. I had a, obviously like DX Team Extreme, New Day, uh, Beautiful People on my list as well. I had a couple of veto picks as I mentioned, which were three MB main street posse in the job squad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fucking job squad. Jesus. <laughs> Gilberg. If yeah. Gilberg ever makes it onto a Mount Rushmore, this show ends. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one that I actually looked into and I couldn't find much on them. It was, um, it's a trio called super sky team from CMLL. I don't know if Rob, if you've ever no. seen or heard of them. Um, and there's two promotions in Mexico. What one takes things really seriously, and one takes the piss. Which do you think I'm watching? Piss taking. 
this again. Triple <laughs> A all the way. Um, but the original team was um, Mystico, who went on to be Sin Cara, uh, Sombra, who's now Andrade, and Volador Jr. Uh, they didn't really do much that I could find, but the second incarnation of it, were re- they were sort of reformed in 2015. It was Mystico 2, uh, which is uh, was Dragon Lee. Mm-hmm. Volador Jr. is still in there, and somebody called Valiente. I couldn't even find any matches online when I was <laughs> when I was looking about. But they're the longest reigning CMLL trios champions of all time. The belts have been active for like 19 years, and they held them from February 13th, 2015, to July 1st, 2018, a reign of 1,234 days, and no matches. I don't know how many times it was defended, but the only <laughs> rain the only rain that might be longer is uh, Black Warrior, Blue Panther, and Doctor Wagner Junior. But they don't actually know when they vacated the title, so they can't verify it. So they were sort of my uh, my really sort of outlier pick. But I didn't want to do a tolly and just have like three words to say. Well, we, we should veto our list and get the one with Doctor Wagner in because you know how I feel about Doctor Wagner. Uh, should be on any nah, list. Shit, I'd, I'd forgotten about that. Oh, yeah. I could have had. I could have had super oh, bollocks. I really fucked this up. <laughs> I, I thought we myself man. into a corner. You could have got well, rid of the bad You're up. I did have Psycho Circus as well that I nearly uh, would have um, um, vetoed yours with, um, which are Psycho Clown, Monster Clown, and Murder Clown. And it sounds ridiculous as the clowns, but. Um, the two-time AAA trios champions, and they went on an absolutely insane run. They, they were originally sort of um, put together to sort of beat Goldberg's undefeated streak sort of thing and uh, went undefeated for um, over three years. Um, they've had mini spin-offs as well, which I don't think they'd have done that in CMLL. Um, I don't know. Maybe they would have done. But, um, you know, there's a mini version of the uh, of the faction, and Psycho Clown's gone on to be the face of uh, AAA, so... It's kind of, um, you know, sort of massively important. There's even another clown that's been introduced called Dave the Clown, which I'm wondering if it's a little uh, slight as someone in wrestling media, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I the wonder un- who that un- could be. Oh. <laughs> Clowning name and nature. <laughs> So, so, so speak, speaking of uh, Dave the Clown, I've I had uh, I had the Elite on there, and I had the Shield. Yeah, I had uh, I had Legacy, which uh, I was I was tempted to use as a veto, um, and I also had one that I'm again I'm surprised that they haven't been brought up, but the Colony from Chikara, uh, the Ants. Um, Chikara is like just, it was such a uh, a fun kind of promotion until uh, it was tarnished by uh, Quackenbush and his his dalliances. But yeah, I used to really enjoy watching. Uh, Watching the colony fight, so yeah, I would have gone with them too. That's why I stayed away from British wrestling, to be honest. Yeah, just the yeah. amount of nonsense. Alleged nonsense. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's it. you don't want to get sued. Sued, Alad Joey Ryan. Yeah, it's, got, it's, got, it's got to have been a proven fact, like Paul mm-hmm. masturbating at pigeons in the park. <laughs> Photographic <laughs> evidence. Who, who would you pick that up? British wrestling, just out of interest. Uh, to be honest, I didn't even I didn't even begin to think about it. Okay. I just thought I'm just staying away from it. The, the obvious one off the top of my head is British Strong Style. Probably, um, yeah, of course. Yeah. That's the obvious one. It's the only one that immediately springs to mind. Like I say, it'd end up being um it'd end up being people who I've seen wrestling in front of about twelve people in a gym in Leeds. Um 
So yeah, nothing's pre- if, if I think of anything, I'll, I'll DM you, Paul. I know you'll be really interested in and go and seek all the matches out and <laughs> and, re- and really deep delve into into his research. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, saying, you're saying down that Team Mega Slam doesn't count as a uh, a trio. Fuck no. <laughs> no, we'll leave that one well alone. Well, guys, this has been brilliant. It's been as good as I thought it would be, even with uh, the revelations of, of Paul and his uh, his park antics. Um, we need a topic from you guys now. So with there being two of you, uh, you can have a argue the toss or you can give us a topic each. I completely forgot about this bit again. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I've been giving me, giving me stick topics. all show for my for my free line answers and uh... you, you do it every week, Paul. You, you, you're, <laughs> you're here every week, I'm a guest. You can... <laughs> sure, Rob. Do you want me to kill some time and you can think of one rather than? <laughs> now you go, Rob. If you've got one, if you've got one locked and loaded. Yes, I don't know if you've have done this one, but it, and as I've got to thinking about it um, with the referee one because. There's lots of referees like you mentioned Teddy Long and um, Jim Ross and Bill Alfonso and Shane McMahon that have gone on to be more famous doing something else than the thing they started out as. So I think it'd be really interesting to have a, um, uh, a Mount Rushmore of people who are more famous in the second wrestling career or potentially third or fourth. Because you've, you've got people like you know Bobby Heenan who started out as a wrestler and then as a manager and then as a commentator, arguably as more com- famous as a commentator. So I think that'd be an interesting one. That's a, a really interesting bit. That that would take Paul some real research to 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 dig out some some picks there. I think I need a week off before that one. I've just, I've really... just, I've just given five there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm really glad we discussed this before the show, Rob. It's a really solid topic. Have you got one to to beat it though, Dan? Yeah, I think I've got one that might tell. I think I've got one that might make Paul tell me to fuck off again. <laughs> That's not the aim uh, of the game. <laughs> no, it's the aim of, it's the aim of my game. <laughs> um, no, I can't do that. I was gonna, I've got the darts on. I was going to say the Mount Rushmore of uh, wrestlers as darts, darts players, but that's a bit too niche, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that would probably only apply to like one percent of our listener base. Yeah. Didn't one no, used to come out to CM Punk's music? Yeah, Paul Nicholson. He was a right prick. <laughs> no, we'll leave it at Rob's. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a complete failure. <laughs> oh, he's, he's, he's pulled a Jess on us. He has. He's done a Jess. It's graceful. He won't be invited back. <laughs> yes, I fucking will. You say Jess is not invited back. Won't be invited back. You've had him on like a month after he was on before. It's got to be the quickest turnaround of anyone you've... <laughs> There's been times when Tolly's had a bigger gap than that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, guys, this has been brilliant. Uh, you let the Badlands listeners know where they can get all of you guys on, on social media. Um, I'm at UTT Rob. Um, you can uh, follow me for uh, ranting about Huddersfield Town's transfer policy. Uh, I follow not working and uh, uh, just some general wrestling chat. I'm happy to follow back. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm uh, at Dan Griffin twenty one. You can follow me uh, there and see live tweets of wrestling and movies that are a minimum of seven years old because I'm chronically behind on everything, <laughs> including thinking up topics. 
you were talking then about uh, Huddersfield's transfer uh, policy. Burnley's is is non-existent. It's absolutely disgusting. Uh, so I'm, I feel you there, Rob. Uh, Tolly, the your, your favourite part of the show. I l- love this part. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can uh, you can follow uh, my good pal Magsy Moo over at uh, at Dej Kirkby, D E J Kirkby, um, and you can hear his lovely selection of other podcasts at various places. You've got Five Rounds Pod over at the Visionaries Global Media Network and and uh, Shooting the Sports-ish. You've got Talk at the Table also at Visionaries Global Media, Radio Techers, which is at Sputin, Shooting the sports It's really hard to say this one, you know, Shooting the Sports-ish. I, I feel like it's not even really a channel. It's just been designed to fuck up my outro. <laughs> That's just a happy accident. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past you. <laughs> radio radio techers that's shooting the sportish and um cheer shot radio network and you can follow me at rain counter and listen to me at five nerds go um and if you enjoyed this you can listen to us every single thursday at at cheer shot radio network um stay safe everyone and always use your head TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.